all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious and the Mundane Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. As I've been preparing for and recording this podcast, we have officially entered the Mariel month of May, which I know for many of us signals the end of the school year. And it's a rush that brings with it this pace that feels unstoppable because we know it carries us right into a season where our daily rhythms can become noticeably interrupted, especially those of you who still have kids in school. It's like, OMG, summer is pretty much here. (laughs) And speaking of summer, I know that many of you remember that my family and I have served Blue Skies Ministries for the past 10 years or so as a family. And I wanted you to know that it's not too late for your family to sign up to come to the beach with us this year. Or even if you want to get a group of families to come together and serve, I wanted to let you know that our family will be serving July 13th through the 19th in Port St. Joe, Florida. It's a beautiful section of 30A, just a little farther down in what's called the Forgotten Coast. But blueskiesministries.org exists to serve families who have kids in treatment for cancer by taking them on a beach retreat. It's so beautiful. You and your family will get to have time together as well as a family, but also time together to serve, which we've come to understand is very important. This year, we're actually going to be having Christmas in July as one of the party themes. We did this last year and it was absolutely precious. Think, you know, like stockings hung with like beach toys coming out of them. And it will be complete with a mini Christmas and lullaby concert. Just saying. So you can go to blueskiesministries.org to find out more about it and sign up there as well. Again, we'll be there July 13th through the 19th. Hope to see you there. Anyway, back to the Mariel month of May. You know, the turning of a season always sets this alarm off in me to prepare for and carve out margin in my life and in the life of our family because, like I said, it just goes so fast. Sometimes I try to even get a month ahead on that kind of a thing to not only know what all I need and want to get done, but also to project out and hem in some afternoons and mornings where I'm leaving leaving space for the unexpected, training myself to not always feel like I need to be tackling something on a to-do list. (laughs) There's great purpose even in planning what you're not going to do. This past Sunday, I actually found myself up in a room upstairs in our house that we call the napping room. I've told you about this room before on the podcast, but for whatever reason, the family who built this house that we live in They built this funny little room that's oddly shaped. Honestly, it's not big enough to be a bedroom. We've actually kind of, you know, measured that out before. It's the perfect size for an office, but there's no door on it. And we currently just have a curtain up to close off the space from a little space upstairs that we call the landing, which has kind of served as a living room or a common space for both of our girls for the past seven years. It's also where they've done a lot of homeschool life together. But funny enough, that curtain that separates the napping room from the landing was enough, I guess, for the guy who appraised our house a few years ago to deem the napping room an actual bedroom. Anyway, my family knows that if that curtain's closed, that means that mom is in there writing a podcast. And if you interrupt mom writing her podcast, it will be the equivalent of letting a squirrel loose in the napping room. (laughs) 
or in mom's brain, either one, and chances are real small of mom being able to return to writing said podcast. (laughs) Anyway, you get the picture. This isn't a common area in our home. It's just this peculiar little room that I have to be honest, I try not to get puzzled or frustrated by when I try to fathom what they were thinking when they designed it. Instead, it's just become this little corner of Keeper's Branch that feels a little bit like Narnia. In fact, on Sunday, I had gone up there to look through some books that I have stashed up there, and I found myself knee-deep in some books that I used to read to my kids when they were little, and even a few that my mom used to read to me. I'll admit, I felt a little bit silly at first sitting on the little twin bed up there, the little twin bed that used to be mine when I was a little girl, opening the pages of several children's books that I actually read aloud. And in fact, it was as if no time had passed at all before I realized that I was already to the third chapter of The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe. It made me so miss the days when my kids were little, and here I am, I could cry about this, and I would sit and read to them from some of the Narnia adventures or the boxcar children. That was always a favorite. But for some of you, maybe that's a summer rhythm that you could go ahead and plan ahead for. Maybe you pick out some books um, from the library or you order some from Amazon, whatever it is, and make a space even now, even if it's just a corner of your house or your porch that you could, you know, deem a napping room. It doesn't have to be called that. But these are just the sort of things I'm talking about when I'm saying plan ahead and make room for that kind of margin in your life to leave room to aspire to the unseen. After all, so much of what you and I are building in this life is unseen. We can become so accustomed to scrolling up and down and aspiring to the scene. And I get it. There's some eye-catching, heart-captivating things to look at out there. I can go down a Pinterest hole with the best of them. (laughs) I love looking at beautiful homes and the ways that other women are creating peaceful and intentional spaces for their families. But as you and I both know, it can also quickly spiral us into a place of discontentment in so many different areas of our lives. And it feels like there's this inevitable collateral damage that comes with life on devices. When you think about the past two and a half years of our lives online, social media alone, and I promise I'm not going to go on like a rant about this, but I bet every single one of us could sit for no longer than a minute And remember something from the last month alone, I'm already thinking of something, where we've seen a comment or a gesture or a posture presented on social media that either caused us harm or wounding or just grief for where we are as a world. I'll never forget listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment by John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers, which is great, by the way. They described in an episode what you and I are up against every day in life on devices, by being able to see everything there is to see. And you and I weren't made to be able to see all that we have access to 24-7. But they describe it as an anxious culture caught in a vicious cycle. I found this both fascinating and honestly really validating and then liberating. But they began describing these roadblocks to renewal and revival in our culture and how much of it can be traced back to life on devices. They describe what they call the epidemic of reactivity. Because our phones and devices are so much a part of our everyday lives, some of us every minute of the day, they describe our phones as now being this giant digital 
central nervous system that tells us what to feel and when to feel it. One of them gave the example of being at the airport in Hawaii. He was in the restroom getting ready to board a flight when he heard this very loud noise and felt the building shake. And he said in his mind, he just kind of chalked it up to being at the airport and either a plane was landing really low or taking off right above him. And he assumed that what he had heard and felt was just the enormity of that. Then he said he boards the plane with his wife. They fly to L.A. But it wasn't until he landed in L.A., that he became afraid of the fact that he had actually been in an earthquake in Hawaii. He used the example that it was the digital nervous system, that is his phone, that showed him essentially when and why he needed to be afraid. Even though he was well out of danger at that point, he was suddenly upset that he had endured an earthquake. Isn't that interesting? Because you and I can see everything and we're connected by this giant digital nervous system This is what is perpetuating the anxious culture, and it's this vicious cycle, and the cycle continues with what they call a mob or herd mentality. What you think about this, this goes all the way back to the golden calf and before. It's literally a phenomenon where a crowd of humans, they have this tendency to just go along with whatever is being presented in the moment, especially when we're not living in healthy connection and union with God, we can fall prey to whatever the crowd is going with. I'm sure like me, you've experienced getting on social media and you're about to maybe post something and you discover what is trending or something that's happened in the world. And we're immediately sucked into how the world is responding to what's happening, good or bad. And if we're not careful, we begin to emotionally respond in the very same way as the crowd without first seeking the Lord and bringing it before Him and asking Him, how are we to respond to this? The next part of the vicious cycle is called blame displacement. And this is actually a quote from Mark Sayers. Instead of examining and searching out the underlying causes creating toxicity, we focus on the symptoms, viewing them in isolation, instead of seeing them as a part of a system whole. Rather than taking a proactive approach that examines our ability to affect change in areas over which we actually have responsibility, we retreat in a perpetual victim status, blaming others and external forces. And as blame is thrown around, a cultural paralysis sets in. A suffocating fear of offending creates a gridlock that prevents renewal. The next part of the cycle, they say, is the quick fix mentality. I talked about this actually a few weeks ago, how John Eldridge describes the age of comfort and how it didn't do us any favors when it comes to building a resilient lifestyle. This quick fix mentality is more of that Amazon Prime way of life, where we just want an easy quick fix to very complex and deep issues, and it creates in us low resilience low perseverance and endurance. This was revealed in the pandemic, that we've been raised in the age of fast fixes, and it has ultimately taken its toll on our ability to rally and take responsibility as believers. And that's the last part of the vicious cycle is that very lack of leadership. Because of that cultural paralysis, the fear of offending and being canceled, we retreat. 
We do have a responsibility to respond as God's people. And they said it like this on the podcast, that we are called to be people who are able to look at what's going on around us and to be able to say, your emotional state doesn't have to be my emotional state. And then leading out as a people who are practicing the presence of God and who are marked by His very presence, who are then becoming a non-anxious presence in culture. So what I'm hearing and seeing here, isn't that beautiful, by the way? It's not a total disengagement with culture. I actually do see here a call to look around and see what's going on and to respond in a way that aligns with who we actually are and the responsibility we have to respond because of who and whose we are. And of course, I believe it takes this rhythm of spending just as much time aspiring to the unseen as we do the seen. I was looking at the word aspire earlier. It means to seek out or attain to or accomplish, to aim for. But the Latin word it comes from is to breathe. I love that. This goes along with this perspective we've been considering that God's presence is His plan for us. This choice to posture ourselves in humility, that possibly meeting with God in the mundane could be the most important part of our day and even the most important part of our lives. I was reminded this morning that this posture is actually commanded in Scripture. In 1 Chronicles 16.11, it says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. I honestly love that the word strength is connected here in this passage to God's presence. That's been my experience, that the strength that prevails comes from time spent in God's presence. In the next episode, I'm going to be telling the story behind the song Valor, which I have to admit is in my top three favorites of the entire album. The song Home is probably my most favorite. Valor is a very, very close second, or those two actually might be tied for first. And then the dark horse of the album, meaning it might win the race when you least expect it, is a song called Keep On. If you haven't heard that one yet, by the way, Stop this podcast right now and listen to Keep On and consider it a gift straight from me to you. Okay, it's really a gift from God to you, but He let me be a part of it, and I'm very grateful for that. (laughs) Okay, so maybe finish this episode and then go listen to Keep On and then send Keep On to a friend who actually needs to hear it today. Anyway, you probably remember me talking about walking out of the hotel where I wrote home in the middle of the night. It was in downtown Afaretta where there sits this little coffee shop across the street called Valor. It's a little spot we've come to love when we've gone back and visited family and friends in that area. And so we, of course, headed over to get our favorite coffee that morning, and the word valor just started cutting right through me for some reason. As you know, me describing that season, I really didn't have anywhere to go but up, as I had felt I had just been laid low in grief and physical ailments that were scary, painful, even puzzling. I was laid low in exhaustion, and this time not because I had chosen to yes myself into that exhaustion. I wasn't hustling or striving or living outside in, as I talk about in my book. I'd actually been trusting the Lord, really intentionally waiting on Him. I was attentive to His Word and to His call on my life, and yet the hardship, the adversity, the opposition I felt both spiritually and physically did not lift. If anything, it felt more and more 
intense. Yet the Lord that morning, as I ordered my coffee, was clearly saying to me, My daughter, this remains. You can and will stand again, and it will be in a strength that is not your own. I am your strength. I am your valor. In the next episode, we're going to look into this beautiful word, valor, together. When the song first came out, there were several people that I mentioned the word to, and they really didn't even know what it meant. Well, it's a beautiful word that's actually found all throughout Scripture, even Proverbs 31, actually. And we're going to dive into that next week. But essentially, it means a strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger. Essentially, it means personal bravery. As you know, danger can come in all shapes and sizes these days, and there's spiritual dangers that are just as fierce, if not more fierce, than physical dangers. But much like soul rest, I believe that personal bravery is directly tied to, even flows out of, our identity as the beloved of God, and it's strengthened in adversity. It isn't accomplished by our determination and will to stand, though valor is ultimately found in the very seat of our will. It's just that it's in that very seat of our will when we respond like Jesus and we say, not my will, but yours, Lord. It's there that he imparts his strength in our surrender to him. It's Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I talk about this in my book, that that word renew can literally be read as exchanged. Our shelf life strength exchanged for His, the strength that endures. I was just reading in Hebrews 12, 7 this morning through tears. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. I said this a few weeks ago in so many words, and I say this with love and compassion. But there's a narrative in our culture right now that is elevating trauma above all. And hear me say that trauma is very real, and we do need to take it seriously. And often we need professional help to help us heal. But it is a very dangerous thing when our trauma becomes elevated above Jesus. Think about how elevating our trauma trains us to resist and run from adversity. To say, actually, no, enough is enough, God. And we end up balking at the very discipline that is meant for our flourishing as sons and daughters. I've watched this happen in some adult friends of mine, and not only are they refusing to yield to God's discipline in their own lives, but they've given up disciplining their own children because the trauma and pain has become the focus, and asking their kids to adhere to rules, even throw off sin that entangles, which is how Hebrews 12 starts, it's just seen as too much to ask because of all we've been through. So the kids are offered a world without boundaries and instruction, which we all know is the very thing they actually crave, and they end up being coddled and protected from the struggle, the very struggle and adversity that ushers in a closeness with God that you cannot access in any other way. The hardship that Hebrews 12, 11 says produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Again, it just goes to show we are called to not conform to the patterns we see in this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of our minds, that by testing, we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12, 2 again, training our minds what's true of us and what's true of the heart of God in anything He is asking us to endure. The day that the song Valor released, I remember getting a message from a woman in Europe. She and her husband are missionaries there, stationed where they've been ministering to and serving Ukrainian refugees. But she shared with me that their board members had sent them to the coast to rest because they were weary to the bone. And as they rested, slowly they began to regain their strength to the point where they knew their time was coming to go back and serve And she told me that she went down to the beach for a run that morning that the song Valor had released. And with the song resounding in her ears and the waves crashing at her side, she began running to the rhythm of God reminding her once more of who she is and where her strength comes from. And she said it was exactly what she needed to hear from Him. With tears rolling down my face as I read her message, and I imagined her feet pounding in that sand to the very intentional, emboldening cadence of the song, I wanted to be there running with her. And I guess, in a way, I was. And for that, I'm so very grateful beyond words to just get to be a small part of God saying to another woman, you can and will stand again. I am your strength. I am your valor. I hope you hear it from him even now over you, that you can and will stand again in a strength that's not your own. He is your strength. He is your valor. I want to end today's episode with this beautiful musical movement that comes right before the song Valor. It's called The Strength That Prevails. My husband Nathan wrote it, and our friend Gideon Klein is playing the violin, and it might be short, but it's stunning. I love to look at it as this piece of music that's kind of like a therefore. We talked about that recently, that the therefores in Scripture, they're there for a reason. I like to think of this short orchestral movement as a pause after the song, where would I be? Again, I'm old school, and I love to think that all of you are listening to the album, number one, (laughs) and that you're listening to it from top to bottom, and you're taking in the storyline. I mean, a girl can dream. But after I sing, where would I be without the blood? Where would I be without your love? You took my place on Calvary without the blood. Where would I be? I love to think that this moment on the record called The Strength That Prevails is the therefore rising up. Therefore, since we have a perfect lamb who laid down his life for us in sacrifice, let us receive him today. Let us even identify with him in his death, dying to ourselves, being buried with him, as well as identifying with him in his resurrection. We are raised to new life in him. One of the central concepts of the Catholic faith, although the belief itself is not limited to the Catholic faith, it's really beautiful. It's what's called the Paschal Mystery. This is referring to God's plan for the salvation of mankind fulfilled in the passion or suffering of Jesus Christ his death, his resurrection, and his ascension, his finished work on the cross. And in this, Christ has shown us that death does not have the final word. Not only does it not have the final word, it's in the cross and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we find the strength 
that prevails, the valor and the bravery to face every situation and every season. As Nathan created this beautiful orchestral moment before the song Valor, I sent him pictures of pioneers, which were the visions that I had in my head when I was writing this song. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in the next episode But I had pictures of pioneers, brave men and women in search of inheriting and cultivating the land. People who literally died for the cause of claiming territory and establishing land under a new name. And as we know it, there was a lot of brutality in claiming that territory throughout history. But I believe that the Lord was giving me these visions of pioneers that aligned with a spiritual inheritance and cultivation along with an hour that I believe the church is going to have to respond like pioneers in a dark, brutal, unfamiliar place. And rather than conform with culture, which is a path that literally leads us away from what it looks like to train ourselves to embrace adversity. And we're going to have to find the very narrow path that's lit by the oil lamp we carry, spending all that we have on the oil or the presence of God that keeps the flame of our faith lit in these dark days. And since music is very cinematic for Nathan, I can literally feel those images come to life in this musical piece. What I hear and see when I listen is surrender, hope, belief, resilience, valor. Do you hear the order of that? Surrender, hope, belief, resilience, valor. The surrender is in knowing that without Jesus, I cannot and will not stand. But with Him, in Him, and from Him, I have what it takes to endure. The strength that prevails, Jesus talked about this in Luke 21, when He said, But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. I had to look up the word dissipation in it. Looks like there's only one occurrence in the Greek of this, and it means basically like to be nauseous drunk with a headache, to like toss about and just be miserably drunk. And then, of course, it goes right into drunkenness again, along with the cares of this life. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next episode, the fact that it's just so interesting that Jesus points to drunkenness twice here in connection to being weighed down with the cares of this life. I talked about this with you a lot lately where we're going to go somewhere to find relief from the cares of this life. Jesus seems to know that the temptation is going to be greater and greater to find relief in checking out rather than leaning into adversity, to literally numb out and be out of our minds rather than renew our minds and go to Jesus for the relief that we need in this hour. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son 
of man. I know many of us want to just say like, well, of course I'll be standing before the Son of Man. I'm a believer. Yet this is the hour where I believe that God is calling His beloved so very close to His heart in every way that we might hear the warning. We are in the age that 2 Timothy 4.3 told us that would come when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. That verse is bookended by these two verses where Paul is charging Timothy and us. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. That word preach there in the original language essentially just means to herald the truth, herald the gospel. Just tell about it openly. That any of us can do. And in verse 5, it says, always be sober-minded. Again, here we go. Be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Sober-minded means just be clear-headed, what we just talked about. To do the work of an evangelist means to be a bringer of good news, which is the gospel, which again, any of us can do. We don't have to be called a preacher or an evangelist to be a bringer of good news and openly share about the gospel. And the gospel is simply this, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins, and He rose from the grave three days later. And now there's no condemnation for those who believe in Him, and they will have eternal joy and life in His presence. That's the gospel I'm sharing today. And that's the gospel that you're invited to share. On the next episode, we'll look more into this word valor and even what it looks like to behold the beauty of Jesus as we behold our own story, even our pain, our journey. But as we close today, even for a moment, just as this gorgeous one-minute musical movement happens, I invite you to pause as it plays. I wonder if you might just put your hand over your heart, wherever you are right now, to make room even now to aspire to the unseen things of God, to seek the Lord, His very presence, where we find the strength to endure, and just say to Him, I yield to you, God, and surrender today. Keep me awake, Lord. Keep me awake and attentive to your heart, sober to your voice, alive to your spirit, so that I might be a bringer of good news today. I'll talk to you soon.